this morning we have said a name over and over and over together. And uh, I love researching names. I love knowing what they mean. And uh, a lot is found in a name. Uh, and when you say a name is beautiful, what comes to mind? Like, like when it rolls off the tongue, the way it sounds, right? Like you say a name like Marcella, like that. That just sounds good, right? It, it, you know, you're like Angelo, you know, you like those sounds. Bob. Like, <laughs> look, if your name is Bob, it's okay. Your name is a palindrome. You got that working for you. It's the same forwards as it is backwards. So even your name, Bob, is beautiful, all right? Not just with the sound that comes out of a name, but also parents name their kids after something that might connect to it. Like whether it's a meaning, a deep meaning, or maybe a deep friendship, or maybe that name reminds you of a relative, and so you've given that name to your child. That's why you often don't hear, hey, make sure Jezebel has a good time in nursery today. Hey, I really hope Goliath aces his test today at school. You don't hear names like that because names that associate with that you get the characteristics and the attributes that come with those names. Thankfully, the name of Jesus is a beautiful name. Not just because of how it rolls off the tongue. And I've been to countries where, where even Jesus' name sounds beautiful. Like, I'm gonna, you know, I don't wanna bush, butcher it, but Yasuo, Jesus. Jishu, Jesus. Isuse, Jesus. Yeshu, Jesus. Chuasesu, Jesus. Isus, Frayesu, Jesus Vanhanse, Jesus. And Jesus. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful name, and I'm very thankful that God cares about what's in a name. It's a lovely sound, but the meaning is even more lovely. And I'm very thankful that God focused in on that and knew what we would need to speak out loud over and over and over in this season. See, it's great for you and I to know that a baby was born. It's even greater for us to know why that baby was born. You see, Jesus means the Lord saves. What does Jesus mean? What does Jesus mean? You're going to walk out knowing what Jesus' name means this morning. The Lord saves. As Joseph and Mary were set to be married and scandal followed them around, you as I well know the story, to be pregnant with a child that's not yours, Joseph has to wrestle with, well, what do I do with this woman? And while he's considering what to do, Matthew records this, in, this encounter with an angel in Matthew 1. As he, Joseph, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means... We're still not getting this. I know why it's hard for us to say it out loud because we don't necessarily believe it all the time, right? We think it's up to us to save ourselves. So it's really hard for us to say the words, the Lord saves. 
Because what it means when we say the Lord saves, it means I can't save myself. It means I don't have it in me. It means I don't have the gumption. I don't have the, the, the bootstrapness. I don't even have boots. It's hard for us to say the Lord saves because it denies my ability to even get my name in the hat. Jesus means... What we know, because God saves, we also know that he loves. The disciple John, who was known as the one whom Jesus loved. John's nickname wasn't the guy who loved Jesus. Like if it had been that nickname, then maybe we could have had some arrogancy issues going on with John. But for John to say the one and to refer to himself as the one whom Jesus loved... It's the truest thing about us that we can speak. It's the thing that will keep us from running to other places. It's the thing that will keep us from from putting our trust in some dude or some chick to be everything we need. It'll, It'll cause us to look around and go, wait a minute, I'm the one whom Jesus loved. So even if things aren't right or perfect or the way they should be as I think they should, to call myself the one whom Jesus loved takes me back to the Lord saves. He wrote these words, the disciple John, who probably knew more about the love of God than anyone else, says these words in 1 John chapter four. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. Every time you say Jesus' name, every time I say Jesus' name, according to John, we are saying we are loved. Every time we say Jesus' name out loud, we are saying that we have been seen by a God who chased and pursued and gave on our behalf. Every time we say the name Jesus, we actually say, my sins are forgiven. Every time we say the name Jesus, we say that the power of sin has been cut off. Every time we say the name Jesus, we declare that death is not the end. Every time you say the name Jesus, you are saying, I belong to family. Because the Lord saves, and he saves a people. Every time you say the name Jesus, you are declaring the gospel message. The Lord saves. In the Greek, as we've spoken about love, the New Testament was recorded for us in Greek, and there were four different words for love used I will not bore you with all of them, but there are two I will mention. The first one is the word eros, love. It's the emotional, it's the ecstasy, it's the physical attraction kind of love. And here's the danger with it. It's the one that fades over time when my affection for that object disappears. It's the one that is not inherently evil in and of itself. And here's the deal. Eros love is is how a man and a woman meet and get married and they love each other. And and I'm telling you, God's given sex to the marriage bed to be a good thing and it's great. And and Eros love kind of can fuel the human civilization moving on. It's a good thing. 
But if you have built a marriage on Eros love, it will not last. Now, if you've only been together for like two or three years, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about, Jason. Here's the deal. The hardest year of marriage is year number seven. They say the average marriage in the United States lasts eight years from marriage to divorce. The average marriage lasts seven years from marriage to separation because that last year is lived separated. Eros love is responsible for many of us in our, in our ways of going, you know what? I just fell out of love. So when we're talking about love, we need to be very clear on what kind of love God express, expresses to us. The kind of love that we are speaking about is agape love. This kind of love is a self-sacrificing love, but I need you to understand and hear, hear me this morning, agape love is rooted in a decision, a choice. And I love how some of those kids are like, love is action, it's not a feeling. Yes, there are the moments where you feel, but here's the deal. Feelings go like this, don't they? You can make a decision in spite of this though, can't you? You can say, I have chosen today at the altar to say yes to you above everything else. And here's the deal, for better or worse, I still choose you. The kind of love we're talking about this morning is not an eros, warm, cold, warm, cold love. What we're talking about is agape love, a love rooted in a decision that God made before creation to love and to send his son, Jesus. The good news is not some weak, flash-in-the-pan, eros kind of love that focuses on emotional obsession or libido. It is rooted in a decision that says, I have chosen to love you with an unending love. And we know that he loves us, but this decision, this choice, because of what Christ has done. If Christ's love for us was built solely on how we pretty up ourselves, then we have no reason for him to love. If my, if my ability to go, hey, God, look at me, check me out, see how I'm living and I'm doing and I'm doing great things and I'm making myself worthy of your love, you and I would be out of luck. But thankfully, God made a decision before you and I could shipwreck any of his efforts. He made a decision before creation to love us perfectly in Christ. God would not have sent Jesus if it was about our lack of rebellion. You and I are complainers, we're prideful, we're blamers, we're difficult, we're finicky, we're double-minded, we're cutting with our words, and yet, agape, rooted in a choice. Listen to 1 John again. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed how much he loved, agape us, by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real. Make a choice love. Not that we made a choice loved God, but that he made a choice to love us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God made a choice to love us that much, we surely ought to make a choice to love each other. This is why I like the Greek, because we have one word for love in our culture, 
and no one knows what it means. We just use it loosely. I can love my wife and love a taco in the same sentence. So can you. This is why it's important we define God as our author and giver of love in its fullest form. You may say, hey, I'm not good at choosing to love God. Welcome to the club. None of us currently are. I'm not good at choosing to love others. Welcome to the club. None of us are. Thankfully, agape love is not rooted in your ability to choose how good you love God, but his pre-planned decision before the foundations of the world is to love us perfectly in Christ because Jesus means... He does, and it's good to know that. All of this love is extended to the undeserving. If we somehow see ourselves deserving of God's love, you and I will place that stipulation on the objects that we love. Here's what I mean by that. They don't deserve my love. Some of you have said that phrase. Some of you have had that phrase said to you. We might say, well, they don't listen, so I'm not going to love them. They're cruel and hurtful, we defiantly add. There is no other way to go to war against that kind of ticky-tack love than to have a deep understanding of God's love, choice love for us. Instead of hearing words, Jesus' Jesus's words, treat others as you want to be treated, you know what we do? We treat others the way we have been treated, right? Right? No, not me. Yes, you. We're all in that boat together. That's why Jesus had to say, treat others as you want to be treated. Guess what? Because you're going to be treated not well. The world and its sin and the, the, the darkness and the depth of, of sickness in you and I to treat each other like garbage is rooted in us from the very beginning in sin. But here's the deal. Because we have been loved by God, he chose to love us perfectly in Christ. Now we have been treated in a new way. And it's why we can hear Jesus's words, treat others as you would like to be treated. We have undeservedly been shown favor and gifted with salvation through Christ. Now it's possible to love the way Jesus asked us to. The baby story isn't meant to inspire you to be a better person. We always get around Christmas time, I should be a better person. The baby story, the gospel story, is meant to inspire and invite you to worship. It's not about you being a better person you know, I can do this better. I can be this better. I can set this new year commitment. I can do these things. No, you can't. 15 days in, you're going to be done with it and you're going to be back to normal. Here's the goal. The baby story invites you to respond in worship and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for sending your son, loving and sending your son so that I might know life. That is why we respond in worship. We do not worship to get God's love. We worship because he has poured it out on us extravagantly in Christ. John, again, in 1 John 5 says this, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has, has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not 
burdensome. Guess what? Jesus said the greatest commandments are love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. When he says they're not burdensome, they're not. Guess why? He provides the fuel for it. What the Lord has commanded, the Lord has provided. That's the gospel news. That's why it's good news. That's why when the children get up here and say this, we're like, yes. That's why when we sing these songs, we're like, yes. It's because the gospel has been declared to us through the mouths of babes. It's that simple to believe on the one whom God has sent. That is the work we are asked to do. I don't know how familiar you've gotten with this story or whether or not you care that it's read before you rip into presents, but I hope that you will consider that the gospel message that we are talking about right now is the same one the angels announced to the shepherds sitting in the fields. There is a reason this story continues to go through generations is because God intends it to. It will be the story that is shouted until Jesus returns, that all who hear this message, believe on Jesus and respond, would have eternal life. In 1967, the BBC commissioned the Beatles to write a song for their new TV program, Our World. And this program was to be the first international satellite broadcast television in history. And it was gonna connect five continents, representing Great Britain, were the Beatles. They were asked to write a song that was simple and had a positive message. Some of you that were alive in that time, you know the name of that song. What is it? All you need is love. All you need is love. While I understand the heart cries of that song, and while I understand your Facebook posts that tell everyone they need to love better, I understand the sentiment because it's our heart cry. It's like, yes, we, get an, we, we do feel like we should love more. We do, we do. And we like to post about it. And we like to type that others should be doing it. But here's the deal. I, while I get it, because we're not clearly defined on love, because we've said we don't want God's absolutes, we don't want to know him as the truth, we all have our ideas of what love is and it doesn't look like this. Rather than saying all we need is love, we really need to say all we need the God of love, the God who is love itself. Love is not God, but God is love. God is much more than love, but he is love. In his nature, he is perfectly love. And for us to say, hey, we should get busy loving each other and to say, well, we don't really acknowledge God and his way of thinking and his stuff, we're setting ourselves up for sand for sinking sand, because eros love, when we feel like it love, is the sin nature's way of doing things. But true love, agape love, flows from us when we are connected to the source of all love. As we close this morning, and we're gonna turn into a moment of communion together, rather than suggesting that you and I need to just chill out and love one another, the scripture suggests that you and I need this God of love, not just love. We need this God who has displayed his perfect love for us in Christ. 
And we are connected to that source of sacrificial, selfless kind of love in Christ. Real love, supernatural love flows from God to us, to others. The baby story is not just to encourage you. It was meant to cause you to love in the way Christ would love us. It's not just giving information, but it is about us truly being transformed by his nearness to us. I don't know if you're from here, you've probably driven over the Patton Avenue Bridge many times, um, and you've been in that lane where you've had to turn into the Earth Fair parking lot, right? If you've, have you've ever, if you've ever been in that lane, you've had to make that quick right turn. Um, and so it can be a pretty dangerous experience, especially when your truck breaks down on the way across the bridge. My truck broke down as I was on the bridge. I was asking the Lord for a favor, get me to a parking lot before it shuts down, but it, I did not make it. <laughs> I got to that turning lane and you can show the next slide. Uh, go to the next one. So the interstate traffic is coming off really fast in that turning lane right there, the one where you can see the exit only. There is like a four second moment to slow down from doing 60 to doing zero miles an hour. Like, and most people in Asheville, I'm going to gauge their driving ability. It's about a 0.5 on a 10, okay? Uh, 0.5 on a 10, and that's just because I'm the perfect driver, I guess, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I made the scale, it's, it's my scale. I can say whatever I want. So I get in this, in this lane and my truck is broken down and I'm sitting there stalled with no way to move. And as the door of my truck opens and I'm trying to get out and try and pretend like I'm Superman, like there's an actual incline at this little exit. Did you know that? <laughs> you never notice inclines until you're actually having to walk it, pushing a car. So I, I get out of the car, I swing the door open and I'm thinking if I can just keep my hand on the steering wheel and push the door, I can make it into this parking lot. Some wonderful man from Asheville in his awesome Subaru swings up right next to me and says, you're going to get somebody killed. Do you know that? I said, thanks. I mean, that's really all I could say. I said, thank you. I appreciate it. He said, you should move your truck. I'm trying. Thank you. Yet again, Subaru to the rescue, right? Like, Quality. I'm sitting here going, I really, I'm so glad you shouted to me the information I needed to know at this moment. I got back out, I'm trying not to fight this guy, trying not to dive through the Subaru window. Like, I know some people know I'm a pastor, but he didn't know I was a pastor, so I gotta, you know, get away with whatever. I'm in the truck, I'm trying to push the car into, and still, still the dude is shouting at me, shouting. And then he decides to drive off to Earth Fair, because that's where he goes, right? That's where Subaru people in Asheville go. You go to Earth Fair. So I'm pushing the car and these guys jump out of a truck and they start pushing the truck with me. And then they all jump in the back of the truck and we coast into the parking lot. It was like so much fun for them. Here's the deal. I didn't need someone to tell me how deadly my position was at that moment. I needed someone to rescue me. I need somebody to help me. I needed somebody to get out of their car and come close, quit telling me what I should do and actually come and do it for me. If you're here this morning believing that for some reason the Christmas story is God yelling from heaven, you should get your act together. You haven't heard the story. The story is God said, you can't get your act together. So I'm gonna come and I'm gonna be near you 
I'm gonna show you how to live, but I'm not just going to show you how to live. I'm going to live the life perfectly for you, but I'm going to die in your place, taking all that we should have done and all that we've done, taking it to the cross, wearing it on his own, not staying dead, but rising from the dead to prove he can do all that he said. This is the good news story this morning, and it's why we celebrate it so well, and with children and dancing and pomp and circumstance, because it's worth it. This morning, as we go to the corners for communion, if you would remember that as you take that bread, dip it in the juice, we're not asking you to save yourself. We're telling you, you can't. We're declaring that someone can, and his name is Jesus, because Jesus means he does. He does save. And if you have put your trust in that Jesus, Son of God, come into the world, put on flesh, go to the corners of this room this morning, and just be thankful. Say, thank you, God, for doing what I could not. May you help me love as you have loved me. And as you finish your communion time this morning, there'll be a song and then there'll be a video. After you've taken communion, parents, you may dress your children in their costumes, send them to the back, and Miss Becca will have them ready. But it's after you've taken communion and had a chance to remember that he paid the price for us. Father, we love you, and I just ask that in these moments, as we consider the truth of the good news, you didn't stand in heaven and throw truth bombs at us. You actually shattered all expectations and came into the world, born as a child, not to remain a child, but to grow as a man who would live without sin so that he, you could be qualified to take our place fully representing us to the Father, but not remaining dead, rem raising from the dead, so that we may also raise to new life. Father, thank you for your grace this morning. It's in your name we pray.